Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Dan. Before we get started on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast today, let me tell you about Football Insider, our tech subscription service. For me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Hey everybody, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well, and also joined by Ellis Williams. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. I went to Browns practice today for the first time and probably since Wednesday or so. And I was there, took me 25 minutes to get there. I was there for 20 minutes and I left. So things change quickly, don't they, man? Welcome, welcome to the regular season where uh, we don't get to see very much of practice at all. Get to see a lot of guys stretch. Although, before we get into this, and this is topical because of what we're going to talk about today, Mary Kay, we, you guys did get to see at least something interesting today, which isn't always the case of practice with Miles Garrett. Yeah, it, it was very interesting, actually, because obviously we know that he missed the scrimmage with a wrist injury the other day. So before practice, I asked Kevin Stefanski, is he going to be out there on the practice field? And he said he's, he's uh, truly day-to-day along with Greedy Williams. So I really wasn't sure if he was going to be out there or not. So we get out there. 
and uh, we see him getting his wrist, his right wrist completely wrapped up in a hard plastic brace and then completely taped up with a lot, a lot, a lot of tape after that. He tries one individual rep and he was like, no, I, I want no part of this thing on my wrist. So he stands there, I got a little bit of video on it. It's in my post of him just, you know, dutifully unwrapping all this tape. And then he takes the, uh, the hard plastic wrap and he chucks it uh, back to the trainer. He's like, had enough of this. And then he goes and hits the sled really hard. And uh, he, he did kind of, he was doing that, you know, with the nobody, you guys can't see this, this part is in our video, but he was flexing the wrist in a circle, you know, in between drills and stuff like that. Took it easy when they went to the bags, you know, he, he stayed out of some of those drills. So I think he was a little limited and this is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I mean, we know how important Miles is to this team. We saw it last year in action when he missed those last six games for the, for the suspension. And, and we know what he means uh, to this team's pass rush. So, uh, it, you know, it's good news he was out of practice. Hopefully, you know, this next week and a half, it'll kind of clear up and he'll be ready to go uh, in Baltimore and as, as close to 100%, at least as he can be after this injury. Uh, so anyway, we, we've been going through the roster here leading up to Saturday's cut down to 53. And yesterday... Uh, Mary Kay Scott and I talked about the back end of the defense. So today we're going to move to the front end of the defense. And we're going to talk about the linebackers and the defensive line, which has actually become a very interesting spot on the defense, especially at linebacker, I, I think. So let's start there. Coming in, we didn't know a lot about this linebacking group. We didn't really know who was going to play where. We didn't know who was going to lock down what position. I do feel like even though Mac Wilson went down with that injury, and, and we can certainly talk about that, uh, but I feel like we know more about this linebacking core than maybe I thought we would at this point, only getting to watch about 12 practices. Uh, you know, is B.J. Goodson in the middle? Sione Takitaki next to him a lot of the time. And at least that tells you two of the guys uh, that, that we kind of know will be out there on Sundays. So the linebacking core uh, started out to be what we thought it was going to be for the most part. Sione Takitaki... Mac Wilson at the weak side, Sione at the strong side, and B.J. Goodson in the middle when they're in base defense 4-3. That's what it was going to be, and that's what we saw out there. Then, of course, Mac Wilson goes down with the hyperextended knee. The good news now is that Mac Wilson doesn't need surgery on the knee. Kevin Stefanski even confirmed that today. So he's going to come back. Uh, the hope is, uh, I've been told, that he could be back within about four to six weeks. That would put him back on the field possibly as early as late September, sometime in mid-October. In the meantime, uh, it will be Sione Takitaki, E.J. Goodson, and then you've either got uh, Tay Davis or Jacob Phillips. And not exactly sure how that's going to shake out yet. Uh, we did spend a little time talking to Jacob Phillips today. Uh, just a, a really interesting, really smart, uh, good linebacker, good pick that seemed to be. And um, you know, and then and we'll have to see how this goes. Then. When they're in sub-defenses and only two guys are on the field, uh, that'll change things up too. But I think Sione Takitaki has come on a little bit stronger over the last four or five days. And B.J. Goodson, now he missed two days for a personal reason, uh, but he was back today. And, uh, you know, he's just been really solid, taking over a leadership role. Uh, and I do think he'll be on the field the majority of the time. Yeah, and – when, when, I, when I started looking at this linebacking group, I really, and I know I've said this on this podcast before and I'll own it, I 
just counted B.J. Goodson out. I saw the tape, did not like what I saw. I didn't know how a linebacker with his lack of lateral quickness could stay on an NFL field. In camp, so far, he's proven me wrong. And part of that probably is because he's improved and the Browns are going to deploy him well. But part of it also, too, is Joe Woods and Kevin Spancy don't have much of an option either. He is going to be the center of this defense and needs to be and he, and he sounds ready for it. I was really, really impressed with his presser, which was probably a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, he is confident, a little more reserved, it seemed like, in the talk, uh, and is just ready to go out and prove himself. Uh, I think about the interception he made and what looked like a deep cover four uh, coverage situation. He intercepted Baker Mayfield, and the defense went wild. And it was an athletic interception. I mean, the type of interceptions cornerbacks or safeties miss sometimes, you know, goes off their hands or over their head. He went up for that Madden type, you know, you hold triangle and the animation goes freeze frame on you type interception. It was a nice play. So BJ Goodson's the type of player that really could not, not to avoid the cliche, make a name for himself, make a lot of money by proving himself right by betting on himself and showing Green Bay that they let go of a, a, a talent that was actually improving rather than deteriorating. That all remains to be seen, but he's going to have one heck of an opportunity. And Mary Kay, you said everything I agree with on Jacob Phillips. He, of course, has to be the most intriguing prospect in this group, someone we just don't know enough about yet, and who's going to go out there and make rookie mistakes and either isn't trusted yet, or when he is out there, it's probably going to look a lot like Mac Wilson looked like last year. If we're, if we're going to comp, I, that probably is the comp. Um, and then I'll throw this back with to you guys because something I've been asking myself as I've been thinking about this defense and really after talking to you two about how the scrimmage went Sunday, who's the second best player on this defense? And we're talking about two position groups right now that of course are going to have a huge influence on the game, but also have a lot to do with what Joe Woods wants. So we can throw some names there later if we want to or a different pod, but if a guy like B.J. Goodson could become the third or fourth best player on this defense, that is what needs to happen for this Browns defense to at least be at league average. Because when you look up and down this roster, it is exactly what we thought it was going to be, just like Mary Kay said at the start of this. These names have not changed. They are who they are, and they've got a lot to prove. And it's got, a lot of this is going to land on B.J. Goodson. I mean uh... – I think the second-best player on the defense is probably Denzel Ward. I don't think there's tons of room there. I mean, I suppose you could make a case for maybe an Olivier Vernon or, or someone like that, but I, th I think it's probably Denzel Ward. You know, I'll be honest. I'm still a little worried about this linebacking core. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how well they're going to be able to cover. Uh, I don't – I mean, we're, this defense didn't look great the other day, you know, when it was Case Keenum in the second group going against the first unit. Now, again, B.J. Goodson was not out there. There were some guys that were missing – uh, but it was a little concerning. Miles Garrett was not out there as well. It was Porter Gustin playing in his place. That's obviously a huge loss. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm still concerned about this group, but the one guy we haven't talked about a lot is Malcolm Smith. So he's a guy that if maybe BJ Goodson struggles, maybe you go to Malcolm Smith, who's played a lot inside. So Mary Kay, I mean, I'm curious what your answer is to Ellis's question, but then also how you think maybe Malcolm Smith will fit into this defense. Well, where you picked Denzel Ward, he very well better be the second best. <laughs> That's a thing. If he's not, uh, then there is something gravely wrong. Yeah. I mean, you picked him 
uh, number four overall. He needs to be uh, the absolute second best player on your defense. And I think it's time for him to step up this year and be that. Okay. He in practice a couple times has gotten his, his hand on a couple of balls and uh, you know, he had a solid year last year, but he needs to step it up and in tackling too. I mean, his tackling grade was horrible last year. So he, he needs to step it up. He needs to make bigger plays and he needs to get some hands on some footballs like he's done in practice. But so he's my number, he would be in my number two right now, but uh, you know, I think there's some other guys that could challenge for that. As you mentioned, you know, you've got O, OV, you've got Sheldon Richardson, uh, you, you know, you've got some guys that could give him a little bit of run for his money for that, for that title there. As far as Malcolm Smith is concerned, solid, experienced veteran that can come in and play a role for you. I don't think they're necessarily looking at him uh, as a starter right now. That could always change. Uh, but they need depth there. They need depth at that linebacker position. He's versatile. Uh, you know, I think he can kind of play a number of the different, different spots, which you have to in this defense. These guys are all cross-trained, and, you know, it doesn't matter so much if you're weak side, strong side, or middle. It, you know, you just have to be one of the best linebackers and kind of be able to do a little bit of everything. And he's that. So, um, so that's where I think he stands. Yeah, I mean, Ellis, where, where would you – first of all, who's your second best guy? I don't think you answered your own question. And then, I mean, where do you kind of see Malcolm Smith? You know, we haven't really gotten a good look at him just yet. So, so I guess where do you kind of see him? Yeah, I'll start with Malcolm Smith. I have a feeling he's the type of player who they're going to put out there when the, the, the youth in front of him make a mistake. It's the type – you know – not the false start type of mistake, but like, all right, let's get the vet out there. Let's clean this up because though he doesn't bring the type of athleticism Jacob Phillips does, we know he's going to be where he needs to be when he's supposed to be there. That's how I see a vet like that being thrown in here. It's a lot like in the NBA, uh, a deadline signing guy that comes in and gets that 12 minutes off the bench. You just can trust him. You know what you're going to get. The second best player thing is on this defense really – intrigues me because here's how I got to the question. It actually started with the most, the second most athletic player on the defense. And all of that was rooted for me missing the sight of Grant Delpit. It's long frame, his long arms lined up over that slot receiver. And I just remember seeing that at camp and I guess maybe took it for granted a little bit. That is such a tough position to nail down. And I just got a gut feeling Andrew Barry was, very, very excited about that pick. And now without him there, you look at the difference makers on this defense, and it really was setting up for Grant to grow into that spot. So that's how the question started with who would be the second most, the second most athletic. As for the second best, I agree. It needs to be Denzel. It has to be Denzel. And if it can be Denzel, we're going to talk about this, difference, this defense very differently. But I also am a I-need-to-see-it-first type of guy, and Sheldon Richardson has impressed everywhere he's been, and the way he stepped up last year when the, the defense was just, you know, pieces in him was incredibly impressive. So I think it's Sheldon Richardson, and that goes to this what this defensive line truly can be if Miles Garrett is that blue-chip A1 guy, and then you can throw Richardson, Ogunjobi, a Jordan Elliott, who, you know, the Browns might be able to really have some internal pressure and upset teams through the A-gaps by the center and guard, which will then, as we've talked about, take care of the lack at linebacker. Um, so I think, again, it, needs, it remains to be seen, but uh, 
a lot is going to be asked of Sheldon Richardson yet again because these linebackers are unproven. And again, Denzel, he's got to step up. And Greedy's not even on the field right now. It, it's it's so much is focused on this defensive line right now. You know, I would almost make the case too that Denzel might be the second most athletic guy. I don't know. He was a track guy in high school. He was fast. When yeah. When he watched him play at Nordonia, he was fast. Anyway. Let's talk about that defensive line, but first uh, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we will look at the defensive line and how it might all shake out beyond Miles Garrett on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Guys, listen, when you get up into your 20s and 30s, sometimes you start to notice those first signs of hair loss. And it feels like panic time because as guys, so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair from how it feels after you get that fresh cut. I just went to the barber not that long ago. So the way it's perfectly styled before you go out. Let's face it, not every guy is ready to go bald, but thankfully now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Two out of three guys are going to experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35, and the best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have it left. With Keeps, you can get treated from home. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription, but now you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. It's easy. They deliver it every three months, so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines, goodbye to awkward doctor visits. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but probably never for this price. Prevention is key, and Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. It costs just $10 a month. For a limited time, if you visit our special website, you can get your first month free. You can find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps. All you have to do is go to keeps.com slash orange and brown to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash orange and brown. Get that first month free and save your hair. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams. So Ellis teased it there a little bit, talking about the defensive line. And I do want to start on the interior because there are some very interesting names in there. Uh, You mentioned Sheldon Richardson. And let's start there because I feel like we haven't talked a lot about Sheldon. But, uh, you know, as as we're ranking guys, when you really look at that defense from last year and and the guys who were super important to it, especially after Miles Garrett left, one of the things you got to give Sheldon Richardson a bunch of credit for is that guy just played hard every single game. He was making an impact. You noticed him every single game. And you couldn't always say that uh, about some other guys on that defense, especially after Garrett uh, was suspended. So having Sheldon back is pretty important to have that veteran presence. Even Mary Kay, when they went out and drafted a guy like Jordan Elliott and they signed a guy like Andrew Billings, who isn't going to be there anymore. uh, Sheldon is a very important piece of this defensive line. Yes, he is. And, you know, I think he got even more important, as you mentioned, when Andrew Billings opted out. Andrew Billings was going to be a big, big part of the rotation inside there. So much so that I believe that he may have supplanted Larry Ogunjobi at some point for the starting job. That's how good Andrew Billings is. You just look at uh, even what he did against the Browns last year. Uh, he graded out really well. And, uh, and I think they were really, really excited about Uh, just how disruptive and powerful that he was going to be inside. So 
therefore, I do think that, that Sheldon becomes even more important. And again, he's a super solid player. Uh, he, he can do a lot of things. He can get pressure. They can move him outside, you know, and I think that they, we're, we're going to see a little bit more of that this year. I think we're go going to see a little bit of versatility position versatility. We're seeing it in practice. We're not supposed to get too specific about it, but I think you will see some mixing and matching uh, to try to create some mismatches with the offense and, and to, to keep those offenses on their toes. So I really like Sheldon Richardson a lot as a player. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi has worked really hard uh, to come back this year and really kind of put himself out there and put himself on the map and prove that he does deserve an extension. And, you know, he needs to climb up. He needs to play better. He needs to climb up in those rankings a little bit because he's not where you would expect him to be uh, or he wasn't last year. So he is coming in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And, uh, and then, again, you've got Jordan Elliott. And, you know, he's in there a lot. He's getting a lot of reps. He's getting a ton of reps. And he is going to be worked right away into that rotation. So I, I think that with Andrew out, you will see plenty of the rookie. And, and we were seeing Jordan Elliott a, a decent amount there uh, on the inside, Ellis, when they, they were kind of mixing and matching next to Sheldon. Uh, we saw some Elianku. Some people might remember that name from last year. Uh, but then we also saw some, some Jordan Elliott. So as you look at that inside, you, know, you kind of talked about Sheldon a little bit already, but, but with Ogunjobi, it's such a big year for him because he is a free agent after this season. And he just saw his buddy Miles make a ton of money. Now, Larry Ogunjobi's not going to make that kind of money, uh, but – you know, he wants to see that paycheck get a little bigger after this season. Yeah, so two things there. I mean, the Billings opt-out, though, negatively affects the Browns, positively affects Ogunjobi in terms of having a platform to get paid. It's one less person that can supplant you as Mary KT's there, and now you're a bench guy looking for a new team next year. He's going to have every opportunity to earn that money. And I'm so glad we're talking about Jordan Elliott because he's a guy who has such a chance here to – not only just make an impact, but learn from a guy like Sheldon Richardson, another Mizzou guy, uh, you know, almost eight, eight years apart here. Uh, kind of beautiful how life comes full circle like that, if you will. But what intrigues me about Jordan Elliott is the NFL is a lot of times these coaches are slow to the new talent. And what I mean by that is think back to when Odell Beckham Jr., lit the league up those last, I don't know, 11 weeks of the season, it, he was getting single coverage. It's not because he was better then than he is now. It's, all right, here's a rookie. We know he runs four, three, four. We know his hands are good, but he's a rookie. He's a rookie. You know, it's just you go, you fall back on that, and it's that prove-it mentality. I just said it on this podcast probably 10 minutes ago. I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. Where I'm going with this is Jordan is going to have such a chance to exploit one-on-one -on -one blocks that he wasn't getting the opportunity at Mizzou. Talking to someone I know at Mizzou, Jordan was doubled all the time and he still got his numbers and they were suppressed, which is why he fell a little bit, but it was because the single defensive linemen getting blocked were the ones making the tackles and the tackles were a loss. So Jordan's going to come to the NFL, get single blocking and probably take advantage of that. And that's something that I think is going to be exciting to watch and a name that definitely isn't getting the national buzz and just being here in Cleveland and because of Billings opting out, He's going to get every chance to make that spark, and he has a lateral movement, Mary Kay, like you said, to line up anywhere. They can put him over a guard. They can line him out in a five over an end. And I, I think Joe Woods and Kiffin are going to have a lot of fun the way they deploy a guy like Miles Garrett and Jordan Elliott 
Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogundobi, Chad Thomas. There's athletes up there. It's just they need to stay healthy and they've got to be in great shape because they're gonna. This defense is gonna demand a lot out of them. So let's talk about the outside. Uh, Miles Garrett. I don't know if we need to talk a lot about Miles Garrett. I have said on this podcast. I'm wondering if maybe we're gonna see him line up a little more on that other side this year. If, if maybe that's why we haven't seen him going against Jedrick Wills as much. Uh, Olivier Vernon too, kind of a known quantity there. L- let's talk about a couple guys behind them though, and we'll start with Adrian Claiborne. I think was a really nice signing for this team for a lot of reasons. I think it's good to have a grown-up in that room, a guy who's won before, uh, a guy who, I mean, we all, we've seen him off to the side working with young players already in training camp. I, I'm really curious to see what he can do because I think he still has something left in the tank. I think he can still contribute, and they need that depth on that side. But the other name that sort of came out of nowhere was Porter Gustin. And, you know, I had a chance to talk to Porter Gustin a little bit last year for a story I did on, on kind of the, the backups who were trying to replace Miles Garrett. This is a guy that threw 90 miles an hour in high school when he was a baseball pitcher and, and a really kind of interesting story. And all of a sudden, Mary Kay, he's the first guy up with Miles Garrett out. They, they move Olivier Vernon over and then they throw Porter Gustin out there. I guess it was Chad Thomas and then it was Porter Gustin, but it's been Gustin most of the time. You know, this is a guy that was very squarely on the bubble coming into camp. So, Mary Kay, the, the ends behind Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon, it, it got kind of interesting here in camp. Yeah, it really did. Let me uh, start with Adrian Claiborne. First of all, you can see his power and explosiveness when he goes through the bags. I mean, he is like a tornado going through the bags. And you can just see why he has been successful as, as a pass rusher, as a as an edge rusher. And I, I just think that uh, they're going to spring him on the opponent this year. And he's going to be like sort of fly under the radar. And then all of a sudden, when everybody's worried about Miles Garrett, you're going to have Adrian Claiborne coming at you. Uh, so he's somebody to really, I think, uh, definitely, definitely keep an eye on. And even if they did uh, just a rotation where they had uh, Miles and Olivier and Adrian Claiborne, there's a lot of talent there. And there's a lot of edge rush ability there. And uh, who knows, with this risk, now hopefully Miles will not have to miss one minute of time. But if he does, Adrian Claiborne can step in there and hold down the fort for a little while or maybe, uh, you know, split, split a little time with him in some games so that you can take a little bit of pressure off Miles. Porter Gustin leapfrogged over Chad Thomas. Chad Thomas has to be careful this week. This is the last week for him. There's not a preseason game for him to go out there and try to get some sacks or anything like that. He fell down the depth chart and landed on the bubble. And, you know, that's just the sad fact. I mean, he is not, he was not drafted by Andrew Barry. He was, you know, so these guys just don't have the loyalty. You know, they're not going to be patient and wait, you know, a couple you know, years for him to develop. Uh, he, he really has to step it up and prove that he deserves a spot on this football team so that he is not on that cho- chopping block on Saturday. Yeah, Mary, Mary Kay, I, I agree with all that. And the Chad Thomas stuff is, is intriguing just because the resume is what it is, being from Miami. He was one of the guys that stood out, if I'm remembering this correctly, who – can we call him on the fence about opting out? You know, he was probably on your list of you were watching if he would opt out. Um, I know it's no secret his music career, he, it's successful for him. 
Um, and when you're and when you have that such a tie to home and music, um, sometimes I just wonder if your mind is not all the way in football when it comes to this the COVID too. There's just it seems like there's a lot going on there with with Chad Thomas and. I think you put it really well. He needs he needs to be careful. There's a lot on the line this week. Uh, building off that, Adrian Claiborne, this defensive line put together perfectly with the Andrew Billing signing would have made a whole lot of sense. What I worry about with Claiborne is totally agree that if Merritt Miles Garrett misses some time, he can hold his own for a bit. But older pass rushers, and I'll throw this back to you guys, perhaps, they're best deployed from what I've remember when teams are leading and they can just go in there, put their ears back and rush the quarterback, which means the Browns need to be leading in some fourth quarters for, I, I feel like for Browns fans to see what Adrian Claiborne does best and for Andrew Berry to get what they brought Claiborne in here to do. If that isn't necessarily the case this year, could we be looking at a situation where it's just an older pass rusher, on his way out of the league. And if that's the truth, then how much does do you think this can be just a, a tough signing for the Browns? Because they just don't have the bodies to miss with stuff like that. And when we talk about these signings being great, yet we haven't seen them on the field yet, I feel as if missing on Claiborne and then Billings opting out, I don't want to call it catastrophic, but it would be a tough ground for Barry and Joe Woods to make up if that ends up being the case. Do you, do you, do you get where I'm going with that? I, I do. And I, I think missing, missing on a guy like Claiborne isn't as bad as like, if you miss, I mean, if you, if you ultimately end up missing on a guy like Jordan Elliott, that that's almost worse, you know, yeah, I know right. a different position, but that, you know, that's a draft pick. That's a third round pick. You, you, yep. You're going to miss on draft picks. Like, that's just a reality. Nobody's perfect in the draft. But it hurts you when you miss on draft picks because of the cost control and, and all that stuff, especially a, a draft pick from the first two days. So I don't think it's catastrophic if Claiborne doesn't work out. He's just a veteran you brought in and, you know, you move on. It would hurt you depth-wise. Uh, and, and that's right. certainly no good. But I don't think it would be a, a major strike against the front office. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. I think that's one of those situations where – uh, you're trying to add some depth. You're trying to fill a hole. And also, if you can find a guy that can rush the passer, if you can find a guy that can get to the quarterback, even if he is 32 years old uh, and you still think he has enough left in the tank, uh, you know, I think that's a good signing. And I've, I've liked so far uh, what I have seen of him. Having said that, having said that, I will say that I, and you guys know that I advocated for both of these things. I still think that they should have signed Jadavian Clowney, or pulled the trigger on that trade for Yannick Ngakwe. Now, I reported this week, they did engage in serious trade talks for Yannick. They did. They really thought about this, but it was kind of a weird situation with him. He was, he wanted out of Jacksonville for sure. And he, uh, he was in the middle of switching agents. He didn't like the way things were going. So he switched agents right in the middle of it. And that, that messes things up sometimes. And I think that may have been going on when the Browns were sort of still in it and trying to figure out what they wanted to do, what they were willing to give up. Then the, then the deadline passes to be able to extend uh, your franchise guys. So now you're, you're faced with the prospect of possibly having to give up a second round pick with no guarantee that you're going to be able to keep this guy for a long period of time. So it just got weird. 
And in the middle of it getting weird, they wanted to take care of Olivier Vernon. They couldn't keep him hanging on all, all summer. You can't just be like, oh, hey, we'll talk to you at the end of August. I mean, you can, you, they, that's not how this regime is going to do business. They are not going to uh, keep players hanging. They're going to be honest with them. They're going to do right by them. It is a business, but it's a very small fraternity of players that talk to each other. And you want to be a place that players want to come. You want to be a place that free agents want to sign. And so therefore you have to treat players with a certain amount of respect and those kinds of things. So I think they just decided, forget it, forget it with Jadavian, forget it with Yannick. We are sticking for now with Olivier Vernon. We're going to give him his money. Uh, but I still think that just from, if I were the GM of the football team, I think I would have liked to end up with one of those guys. Yeah. Mary Kay, to build off that um, in the past, what, three weeks, time's going crazy, but we'll say three weeks, uh, the Browns pass on Everson Griffin, Ngakwe, doesn't seem like Javion Clowney's happening. Dan, are we looking at a world where if the Claiborne thing doesn't necessarily materialize, that Porter Gustin is the third best pass rusher of the Cleveland Browns in 2020? Well, we've seen what that looks like. <laughs> there you go. You like Port Augustine as a story. You like him as a, you know, hey, let's see what this guy can do. But you certainly don't want him to be your, your third best uh, pass rusher. Could be the second time the Browns missed out on, on uh, Yannick. Go back and look at that 2016 draft. Uh, go look that up. Uh, anyway, let's do a little bit of uh, off and on real quick. Just a couple of guys. And we're going to start with the guy we just talked about, Chad Thomas. What do you think? Off or on? You know, I feel bad saying this because I like him as a person so much. Mm -hmm. And I really had hopes that he was going to come along as, as a player. But from what I'm looking out there and seeing, for right now, I'm going to say off. I'm going to say off. Ellis? Yeah, yeah. Mary Kay's on to something here. She doesn't usually miss. I'm off, but not on off on his career. I, he'll Once he gets, wants to be the, a football player in, in, in a different – you know, we all need to change the senior sometimes. He's going to figure this out eventually. Just it's not going to be in Cleveland, probably. Yeah, unfortunately, I keep doing this on these. I, I come up with guys that we all agree on. I, I just think, you know, I always say this, right? Actions speak louder than words in this league. And when a guy gets dropped to third team and you're looking at Port Augustine, who, again, great story, but it's Port Augustine. You don't exactly know what he's going to be. I, I think that's concerning, and it doesn't bode well, especially because, remember, uh, this front office – did not draft him. So you, you've got to keep an eye on that as well. All right, I'm going to go down to the linebackers here. and I'm going to find somebody here uh, for an on or off. Let's see. It's not going to be Jacob Phillips because we know he's going to make it. Okay, here's a guy, totally random name, special teamer, mostly last year, Tay Davis. You guys didn't think we were going to talk Tay Davis today, did you? On or off? Hey, I'm going on with Tay Davis right now. I mean, when, uh, when Mac Wilson went down, the first guy that stepped in there for him was Tay Davis. So for right now, uh, for depth, the depth that they need at that position, I'm saying he's on the team. Yeah, I'm going on too. Um, I remember, it's so random you say this, Dan. I remember looking at this linebacker group and then you're on football reference and you scan the special team snaps. And exactly what you said, special teams guy, Coach Prefer um, tends to be about – of course, guys who know where they're supposed to be in that trust, having a second year with a guy. So I think because he's multifaceted like that, that's the best way to stay alive on an NFL roster. He can do both. He, he, I'm on. 
Yeah, it's, it's tough to really find somebody too intriguing in this linebacking court. There is one other guy I want to talk about. This is not an on or off question, but I, I just want to get your guys' opinions on this. Um, the Browns made a very interesting move, and this guy sort of mimics uh, Jordan Elliott a little bit because of where he was ranked by some draft people, PFF. I think Dane Brugler had him. I think Dane Brugler actually had him ranked above Jordan Elliott. Uh, they went out and they claimed Curtis Weaver off of waivers. And they claimed him to put him on IR, a guy from Boise State, uh, very productive. I believe he holds his conference uh, career sack record. Uh, his athleticism is something that was questioned, which is a little surprising with this group. They, they tend to value uh, those athletic traits. Um, but, you know, we've seen them make some production draft picks, and now they go and they grab a guy that Miami drafted in the fifth round and tried to sneak through waivers. Uh, they went ahead and claimed him, put him on IR, I'm just curious real quick what you guys thought of that move. Well, I thought it was a very uh, shrewd move by Andrew Barry to swipe a guy like this that you know the Dolphins are trying to get him through and sneak him onto IR. Again, he's got good pass rush ability, good upside potential, hard to find those kind of guys. Uh, he had 34 sacks at Boise State. Again, as you mentioned, that's the, the conference record in his career. And, uh, and he's got good measurables, good upside and somebody were taking a chance on And all they had to do is put him on IR for the season. And then next year, you're looking at guys like Andrew Billings coming back. You're looking at having a, a Curtis Weaver around. And you're adding some pieces back to the team next year that, that aren't going to cost you anything more than what you've already paid. Yeah, when I think back to when Andrew Barry was hired and Mary Kay, I think you asked him something about his uh, approach and he spit out a real cliche, which I time I thought was just a cliche for him. And, you know, classic Mary Kay, I come in every day and I look at how we can improve this roster. I look at everyone, I look at everything. And that's real generic and cliche, but it's moves like this that make you realize he's telling you the truth. He is extremely hyper aware of how this league moves and how every little asset could potentially turn into something better for you. And when the risk is that low, you go out and you do it and the Dolphins couldn't pull a fast one on Andrew Barry. So though I, who knows how Curtis Weaver, if he ever steps foot at first energy stadium, but just the move itself, I'm going to trust Andrew Barry because he continues to, from my point of view, be a man of his word and doing the due diligence and really truly looking at how he can move and add players every day with this roster. It, it just seems like that, that type of Barry low key move that he, said he'd be, be about, and now he is about. Yeah, I mean, just such a low-risk yeah. low risk move. You bring the guy in, he's in your building, uh, you get a chance to, to see what he's about. Um, and if he's healthy and comes back and plays well, great, it's a win. If he's not very good, you didn't use anything on him. You just made him a waiver claim, and you rehabbed him. So it's, it's a very low-risk, uh, potentially high-ceiling move. Uh, for the Browns. So I thought it was a, an interesting way to maybe stash a player. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, I told you about Football Insider earlier, but remember text 216-208-3965 to start that 14-day free trial. Make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them, make sure you are subscribed and leave us five-star ratings. Leave us good reviews. We love to see that feedback. For Ellis and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.